Right now we're in Proverbs, and um, it's a crazy book. Um, the genre is very different than historical narratives, than regular epistles, um, and so you uh, and the Gospels, and so you have uh, a genre that's very different that we talked about way back in the beginning about the framework. I just tell you that because if you're new here, you're basically getting on a really running fast train, all right? And so um, just know that there's some suppositions that are assumed, and if, you, if you're not following it all, that's okay. I want to encourage you, maybe you can go listen to uh, some talks in the past or grab a good commentary on Proverbs, or hopefully the Lord will fill in the blanks um, as, as we continue to go on. I'll try to be as clear as possible, but I tell you that the subject matter today is not going to help, all right? Because it's awesome, God's word is awesome, but it is an intense, very controversial topic um, in which we'll be talking women and femininity, all right? And I see some of the girls already shaking their head. Oh, Eric, up, oh, see? All right, now why y'all tripping? Praise the Lord. Now y'all get mad at me, but y'all know I teach the Bible, all right? So we're going to pray, and what I want to ask you guys to do, all right, before you, don't, don't throw any tomatoes, first of all, and secondly, um, I want to encourage you that this is actually a, a beautiful topic um, when you think about it from the Bible's perspective, um, and I also want to encourage you that, um, I want to encourage you when, as I'm sharing controversial things, I want to ask you for your grace uh, to hear the whole story first. All right, I want to ask you not to put the shade down when I say something that you just automatically, not, and, the, and the question is, I want you to keep asking yourself, are you not hearing me because you read your Bible, or are you not hearing me because you don't read your Bible? You get that? Okay, and if it's because you don't read your Bible, right, and you don't really understand this topic from the scriptures, I want to encourage you to really be able to ask the Lord to give you the grace to say, okay, let me hear what my pastor has to say, and then let me go back and research and fact check, all right, and do your due diligence so that you'll be informed on whatever you believe, be an informed, biblical-centric Christian as you believe it. Because trust me, there's, you, have, you have the world's camp, right, which tells you, ladies, that you need to fight for equality, you need to fight to be like men, you need to fight to get yours in the world because the world's messed up. Right, and I want to tell you, you don't have to fight for equality. It's already been given to you through creation. Then you have egalitarians, and there's oodles of egalitarians that are way smarter than me. So you have the world's thoughts, okay? Then you have egalitarians. That view, let me just let me give you a supposition here, that there are tons of egalitarians that are way smarter than me. Okay, what is egalitarian, Eric? Okay, in a nutshell, egalitarians would say, that in creation, in creation, um, that men and women were created uh, equal, which we would believe is complementarians, which is what we are as a local body, all right? But they would say they're equal um, in essence and in a role, okay? Where we would say we're equal in essence, meaning that I'm no better than you, I'm no more valuable than you, but that we have a role distinction, and that, and that we fulfill our creative mandate based on those specific distinctions, okay? So just hear me here. So you have egalitarians who would say we're created equal in essence and role. They would say that the helpmate piece goes all over the map, that basically um, I can do whatever you can do, and we do it together, right? And that's, and that's how you do things, okay? That's egalitarian's role. And I'm, and I'm giving you the nuts and bolts, so trust me, I'm, I'm sure an egalitarian would stand up and go, wait a minute, but we also believe, and, and I would submit to that, and I'd ask you to read some good, um, some good books on the egalitarian position. 
before you become convicted on what you want to be about. But it's saying that the way you do life is that you'll get married, and basically there's no leader in the home, as it were. You guys are leading the home together, okay? That's the traditional egalitarian bit. Now, you have... So is that making sense? So that means, that means if I want to work, I can work. If I want to do what I, you know, I can do whatever someone else does, and, and I'm no, it's in role distinction, there's no difference, okay? Now, there is a thing called complementary egalitarianism, okay? <laughs> I know, <laughs> I'm not trying to really mix you up so you don't understand nothing I'm saying. I come off really good, you know? I'm really trying to give you a position, and I, that's why I don't read all these because it mixes me up too. Now, this is when you get really smart people who are way, way, way smarter than us, all right, I had a professor like this. He's awesome, Dr. Hugenberger. Um, and he's a complementarian egalitarian who says that actually in creation, God creates us equal, but basically there is a role distinction at the home, okay? So when you're at home, or in a nutshell of a, a father-mother wedding, you know, wife-husband relationship, there's a distinction, right, when you're at the home. But outside of the home and in the local policy in the church, there is not a distinction, okay? So it's almost like there's a role distinction in familial, the familial component, right? And then everything else, we're all together and we're the same, okay? Am I, I'm, am I making sense thus far? Whether you agree with me, but no, that, you're not agreeing, that's just true. Those, those things are just out there. Now, complementarians, we would say, um, in a nutshell, that men and women are created equal in essence, Okay, again, we have the same value, purpose, and worth. But that what God does in creation is that he gives us a role distinction. And he says the way you're going to be able to fulfill why I've created you is you have a certain way of doing that, ladies. And guys, I've given you a certain way of doing that. And then when we do those things together, we provide beautiful music to Jesus. Okay, that's, so those are just, and I'm going to unpack that obviously because I'm complementarian. And that's what we teach here. Uh, so you'll get the full, hopefully, um, summum bonum. But, I'll, but I'll, I wanted to give you those other, you get, the, you get the, the most that you can out of complementarian. I've used these words and sometimes people say, why don't you define those words? And I'm trying to learn to do that better. So let me pray for us as we jump right in. Usually I say questions are totally available right now. Today I'm going to say not, please don't ask questions as much unless, unless I'm just, unless I'm totally, unless I'm totally crazy. Here's why. Because there's a lot, and I would like for you to ask informed questions. And so what happens is people ask questions before they hear the story, and usually the story answers a lot of the questions. Right? So it's not to pigeonhole you. And by the way, I don't know many churches that says, hey, ask questions, y'all. Our body's so funny. I say, today when I ask some questions, people are like, oh, man, I can't believe this. As if all churches let you ask questions. So, so today, <laughs> right? Y'all tripping now. Y'all know this is not normal. All right. So... So usually you get to ask questions here. We love questions, but just today we're asking you to wait till the end, okay? All right, let's pray, guys. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. We pr- I pray, Holy Spirit, give us wisdom and insight. And Lord, this allows me about your ways. Allow me to just put down my baggage. I pray that you allow people to put down their baggage and that we can say, Lord, would you give us an adulterated truth uh, so we can apply to our lives and see you worship and honored? That's our goal. That's our hearts. That's what every woman in this room and every guy wants who loves the Lord. And for those who are here and they're doing a religious thing and they, don't, they haven't been born again, they haven't said, Jesus, you're my king and I'm no longer king of my life. You're my king and I'm no longer the queen of my life. Lord, would you, would you allow this to even help 
just help them see that this thing is way bigger than them. Help them see that there's a cosmic, beautiful meta-narrative. There's a big story here that they can be a part of. And that by your grace, by confessing their sin and seeing you as a Savior and Lord, they can be a part of that story and see you, uh, see them become friends of yours and not enemies. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so. Um, to start off, so here's the thing. And we're, and we're going to have to obviously talk about work. And work's interesting. I'm going to start with work uh, in the sense that uh, when you think of home and work historically, it only got separated during the Industrial Revolution, okay? So when you have the debate, I'm just bringing this up, when you have the debate about even women working outside the home, and like, that, it's a weird debate because for so many years, there was no distinction, right? So the lady who was in the garden working, you know, getting, you know, hooking up the food and doing all those things, uh, what, you know, was she in the home or does it mean if she was out here working a little further? So we're going to, we're going to, so the, my point in that is, is I think I want to make sure we don't get into these hairy, minute details. What I want to do though, is I want to discourage, I want to discourage the concept and I'm bringing up topics in order for us to unpack the topic. So remember, shade up. I want to discourage women uh, when they think about working outside the home from a biblical standpoint. And I want to say the reason why is because I want to say the Bible teaches is that women um, have, it's not that I'm asking you and the scriptures are asking you not to work full time. It's that the Bible is saying is that God is calling you women to full time ministry. I want to propose that God's intention was for you guys to be able to have a full-time ministry and basically be able to care and nurture and provide a framework uh, for the young people, for the kids, and also for your husband, and also be a gospel light to a community. I want to propose that. That's basically what God desires for the, for the lady, is that the lady is walking with Jesus, pointing to her kids, modeling Jesus, caring for the people in the neighborhood, and they're seeing all this gospel because they're seeing these ladies modeling the communicable attributes of God, and then people are falling in love with Jesus. So, this describes different roles and functions. Now, remember what I said. Complementarians say that we would say that the Bible teaches in Genesis that men and women are created. And just like the Trinity, the reason why role distinction is so important that we are created in essence equal, but that we all have distinction, a distinct role is I want to propose that we model the Trinity in that way. That just like the Trinity, there is the Holy Spirit, there's Jesus, so the Holy Spirit, there's Jesus the Son, and then there's the Father. And are each one of them God? Yes. Fully God. Is one of them less God? Is, or is the Holy Spirit going, oh my goodness, I can't tell the future though? Absolutely not. <laughs> right? There's not like an attribute that one of them is missing. They're, they're all fully God. Do they have clear role distinctions? Yes. The Holy Spirit is not born from Mary. That was Jesus' job. Okay? The Father was not sent to indwell and comfort his people. That's the Holy Spirit's job, right? Jesus died for our sins, not the Father. You see that? So I want to propose to you, now this is, this, is, this is hard because in the same way, I want to say men and women, we work together, right, uh, as one. 
just like the Trinity does. And basically, what is true in God's image, uh, that same story is being told in the, Im- in the image bearing of men and women in relationship. Now, this is a huge problem in our culture, if you think about it. And I want to hit culture a lot here, guys, because I want to propose some of our cues come from our culture. And don't miss this. Our culture cannot fathom that something can be different without implying there's a sense of inferiority. We have a very hard time of doing that. That when you say something's different, and people think they're really cool at having things different, right? When you think of Christian culture, just just meta, just just big picture. So Christians, the reason why Christians get a lot of bad rap, the reason why many of us get bad rap in the world, is because you have Christians saying, I want to do things differently, Okay? And the world, what the world does is the world says, wait a minute, they, they, they call us, right, uh, intolerant and things of that sort. But the reason why we fight back is we're saying, we're not asking you to do this. See, the Christian position, what makes people want to just jump out a window with Christians is Christians are saying, this is what I want to do. I know what I want to do with my life. And I know what I want to teach. But I'm not making you, I'm not holding a gun in your head to believe what I believe. And then people go, but you're so, it's just your way or the highway but I'm not making you do it. Well, but I want you to include everybody's thoughts. I want you to say that everybody's okay. I want you to say that you'll give credence to everybody. We go, no, we don't believe that. See how that gets you in trouble? You see, we're saying we're different. But in the world, they're saying, no, 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 no. You, you, you just can't be different and, just, and be okay with that and, and be in this bubble and say, you're gonna be, you gotta make sure you're welcoming everybody. But the, the very same people think they're actually being tolerant. I want to propose that's absolute intolerance. That happens in the world today, just from Christianity. That makes sense? So I want to propose that's reached home a little bit, that it's hard to be different. And people not think you're automatically saying someone's inferior because that's how a lot of women feel. A lot of women feel that way because the world screams that, but also because we as complementarians haven't done our due diligence as men, and so we've been jerks to women, and so women are going, that, that practical model that you're providing is not what I want. So we all got some ownership here, right? And so whenever I have this hard discussion with ladies, I try to affirm, like, man, we're jacked up. We, we provided such a bad model that I get it. <laughs> I get your disdain. So let's look at what happens in creation. To continue this concept of understanding what the Bible is trying to do in this narrative and think narrative, think of the whole scriptures. What happens in Genesis, right, God creates man. And what, he, what does he do? I want to propose even the way he creates man is trying to show this sense of, of together and oneness and like there's, this, there's this, this organism. He creates man and what he does, he takes a rib out of man, right? He takes it out of his side. I want to propose even that symbolic. He takes it out of his side because he's saying, guess what? The lady is not to be in front of the man as in to rule, He's not, she's not to be behind the man as in to be a doormat. She's to be beside the man as a helpmate. I want to say that's even redemptive, the way he does that. Do you understand? Um, being a part of a man, I love the sense that he takes the rib out of the man. And, it's, and then what happens is woman's form. He's like, whoa, man, you know, he gets all excited. They get married. And, but guess what? So you take the rib out. You take a piece out of the man, and then they get married. It's almost like you restore that man to oneness in the garden there. It's that sense of you have a part, you put it back, and there's one. See, I want to propose that helper, when you think helper, usually we think about it in a derogatory way. We look at it as like second-class citizen. 
And I want to propose the Bible's picture is not that way. Guess who's called the helper? The Holy Spirit. Right? In Psalms, read your Psalms. You, there's a lot of discussion of, this, of the triune God being a helper for its people. Helper is, is, a, is, a, is an exalted term in Scripture. That's the role he says uh, for the woman. So what happened? You, you have sin. In, in Genesis 3, you can write this, these addresses down. Sin comes, and then Eve says, hey, I, you know, I want to be like Jesus because she gets deceived by Satan. Uh, I want to have some independence, basically. right? She sins, and instantly they die. And in death, they not just die, but they also now are separated. Man and woman separated. Man and God are separated. This is what happens at the fall, right? So we're separated from God and from one another. And then what happens, notice this here, there's two curses. Did you ever think about that? Now, if we all are one, we're all just equal and in and, and a sense of, of role distinction, right? Just you all have equal roles, whatever. Why would God give us two curses? I want to propose he gives us two curses because he has to, he has to curse two distinct realms of how two distinct creatures live. Do you follow me? If we're all doing the same thing, then you just curse humanity. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you just say, y'all be cursed for da da da? But no, look what he does here. He gives two curses. One, he gives toward men in leading and in a way of, of, of providing for their family or of business or of work, right? He curses the man in his role. The, the, the way you're going to bring me glory, the way you're going to live, I'm, gonna, I'm cursing that. In the same way, he curses the women in the realm of childbearing and, and being a helper, Right, being a follower, assisting the man as, as, he, as she helps point him to Christ. Now, let me ask you this. In our culture, which one's more valued? Work. Thank you. Is that right? We don't have to debate that. Work's more valued, right? Let me ask you this. Which one's more valued in Scripture? Home. Home. You see that? You see the lies already, what Satan's done? See, the world tells you, ladies, you're sitting around. My, my wife goes to Trader Joe's. We got five kids. You know how it is. You, you got the cart, all the kids. You know, we got a tribe there in there. You know, we, we just find you. You see the little tribe. And the girl, the ladies go, oh, are those your kids? Oh, man. I'm going to pray for you. Oh, and wait till they become teenagers. Right? That's how our world talks about childbearing. That's how the world talks about mother. It says, what are you doing? You're supposed to be leaning in, right? Right? Then that was Cheryl Sandberg said. You heard about this big-time executive? It's a big thing right now. Where she's telling women, you're supposed to be leaning in, getting yours. You're supposed to be showing men that you're the bomb. You guys haven't read this stuff? Oh, it's a huge bestseller right now on every channel. I mean, she's huge because basically she um, is a big wig at Facebook right now. And where was she at Facebook before Facebook? Google? And everyone's like, what? And what's cool is you have unbelievers going, hmm, I have to struggle because I still feel like I'm supposed to be caring for the, the home, though. Even unbelievers feeling like you're getting, you're going a little too far. Guys, I want to tell you, you get, you're in Trader Joe's, people are making fun, you make you feel like you're a second-class citizen because we don't even know how to talk about it when you say, what, what do you do? 
I'm a mom, I'm a homie. We don't even know how to talk about it. We haven't even shaped a vernacular yet because we're embarrassed. Ladies are embarrassed to say, to see that with dignity that the scripture says, your role is the most important role. That the Lord is saying, I'm, I'm telling you the, 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 the role of the home and providing for the kids and the structure and the framework and helping your husband point to Christ and seeing these little image bearers become real image bearers as they regenerated in the spirit and then seeing them go out to the world and seeing you cultivate an environment where you're sharing the gospel. God is saying, that's what's up. That's what I want you to be about. And then we sit around and we don't even have discussion of how to say, that's a dignified role. We just put our kind of heads down and we try and think of a new word to make it sound more dignified. Versus just saying, praise the Lord, I'm a mom. I'm a loving wife. And guess what? I don't have to carry the burden of my husband because he's out working hard for us. So that he comes home to a redemptive environment to come alongside so we can share the gospel together. When are we going to respond like that? Because the world has lied to us. The Bible says this role is awesome. We've messed it up, men. We've jacked it up for you, ladies. But I'm begging you today to take our confession of our sin and our stupidity and our insecurity and don't let our sickness and our stupidity and our insecurity make you interpret the Bible wrong. Um, let me ask you this. I was going to, now don't beat me up here. So I was thinking about it. I was thinking practically in my own life. I was like, man, do you ever do this, guys? I don't know. I do this. You ever find yourself like, you know, because my office is in my home, okay? So this is really hard for me. So I got, and I got a glass door if you've been in my house. And so I can see my kids. And Sarah has to protect the kids from me because I want them to know that daddy has to work. But it's hard sometimes. I'm, I'm working and I'm thinking, man, she ain't reading the Bible to them. Eating peanut butter and jelly and stuff. And they laughing. They laughing again, man. What are you doing in there? Man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be in there. I wish they, I wish they know, I hope they know I want to go, go play with them. I hope they know I, I, I don't want to just be sitting in this office, you know, carrying my burden. <laughs> man, you ever struggle with that? You ever struggle? You ever want your wife's job? You ever struggle with that? Well, let me ask you this. Well, except for childbearing. <laughs> you can keep that. I've, hallelujah. That, whenever I see that, we have a kid, I go, Lord, I will work. I will work. I will work. Thank you for working. I, hallelujah. Let me ask you this, guys. So check this out. Um, in the perspective, when you think of uh, that fact that I bring up, so Christ has made you equal, so you don't have to fight for equality, like the world tells you. So shouldn't we be called in a conversation not a fight for equality? Should we actually be calling it a fight of coveting? Are women really coveting what God has made men to do? That's the question. I want to, I'm saying, should we, should, we, should we be using the right, the biblical terms? When you... When you're wanting something that somebody has or you're wanting to be something that someone is, the Bible calls that coveting. That's what the Bible calls it. And so if God has said, this is what I want this dude to be about, 
And you're going, but I want to be doing that. I got the skills. I'm actually smarter than him. I'm saying, what does the Bible call that, though? Right? This is a question. Is there a hint of discontent with how God has made us when we find ourselves leaning toward those experiences? When, we find, when I find myself going, I want to really be a mommy. I want to be home all day. I want to work. God, God is going to you. Are, you. are you coveting? Are you not celebrating how I've made you? When women are going, I need to be equal. I, I need to fight for it. I, you know, I got these skill sets. I'm awesome. I'm an awesome lawyer. My wife could have been a bomb lawyer. She could have been an amazing accountant. Top of her class, hands down. She's brilliant. If you know my wife, she's like unbelievable. I mean, we got, I mean, we got, man, our women in this body are all off the chain. So let's be clear. Okay. I mean, many of them smarter than all of us and we know it. Okay. And that's why whenever I do outreach, there's a lot of ladies I'm talking to. The question is, how do we handle it theologically? What is God saying our roles are and are we celebrating those roles? Um, I mean, it's hard. Think about the r I mean, this is just me. Think about the R&B songs, you know, today. I mean, man, what are they about? I mean, they're all, they're all about, I got mine. I'm, I got my own money. I don't need no man. I'm smart. I'm an independent woman. You know, you listen to Beyonce and Rihanna. Listen to these cats. Throw it up, throw it up. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know, right? All right. It's crazy. See, the thing is, the, the world will tell you and me that what, what Christians like me are trying to do, right, is make you a traditional woman. Absolutely not. My prayer is that you be a biblical woman. Those are very different. So the point is, I want to propose society has totally hijacked the beauty of the role of wife and mother. Totally hijacked it. And God is so messed up now. Again, we're putting our heads down when we talk about it. It used to be a high honor. Absolute high honor. And now, you, you know, think of the younger generation. I mean, oh my goodness. And so this has been the struggle for us and going on down the generations. You get to the younger generation. I mean, it's like, it's kind of weird. Y'all know it. To sit around, go on, go on. When you go to, when you go to college, go, go to your class and someone says, so what do you want to do? I want to be a mommy. I want to be a mom and a loving wife. They'll be like, I mean, the, the record would skip. Somebody need to count. Will you? Oh my goodness, give her a hug. And they brainwashed her. Look at her. She want to be a mommy. Right? I mean, that's, it's scary for the younger generation. I'm serious. There's a huge, right now, you're, 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 you grew up your whole time and growing up. I'm blown away that the younger generation can sit and even hear this considering what the world is screaming at you. Even some of the Christian world saying, hey, wait, no, no, you, okay, you can have kids later, but right now, you establish yourself. You establish your career. You, you know, you, when, you, when, you, when you're done balling out, then you go find a husband and you kick it, you know. Like that's kind of the framework. I want to say, what is the Bible's response to that? Yeah, you, you say that if you want to. I, I, I dare you. Tell me how it goes, Katrina. It'd be crazy. 
Um, they'll be like, it hurts your performance. What are you doing? You're get, you know, people get pregnant, you know, and they're just kind of like, oh. the women feel like they failed. Oh, man, what are they going to think? What's the office going to think? So it's not even the ladies who initiate all this. Sometimes it's us, guys. I'm blown away. Now, don't get me, you know, we're going to talk about, now, as I'm sharing this, again, hear the whole thing because I want to talk about exceptions. But the funny thing is I watch us as guys, and I'm like, what? we got to be weak men to ask your girl to carry her burden and some of yours. I'm just, guys, can I just keep it real? I'm just telling you, that's a punk move. All right? Because here's the thing, and let's, let's keep it real. Can we just take out the leaf for a little bit? When, when you ask her to go work and bring the ends meet, it ain't like you going to the house and doing 50-50. She come home, and she got to do all the mothering. Y'all know it's true, right? And that's why she mad at you. You're like, oh, why is she mad at me? That's why she mad at you. Because you like, you like, yo, come work. All right, I love my husband, I love my kids. You bust it out. You get to the house. He ain't, down, he ain't got no apron on cooking dinner. He ain't running to change a diaper. Maybe on holidays and special occasions. But it's not happening. You know what? We just, why? Because we assume that my baby got that, right? We assume that. Well, why shouldn't she assume that you're going to work hard for the family? You say, well, what if, you know, you go back in the day, you know, I mean, you had, again, you had farmers, the wife and the husband was out there working hard. That's cool. I think that, that's why this is messy. All I'm saying, if you got your girl working because you're trying to get a vacation home, you missed it, man. You missed it. I'm talking about, okay, if she needs to work because y'all need to eat, that's one thing. If she needs to work because you got your first couch from Art Van, now you want to get the next one from some custom place, you got it twisted. That makes sense? And I'm proposing that usually when you have dual incomes, usually, hear me, it's because of material compensation. It's because we want more stuff. I'm saying, man, let's not have our wives carrying two burdens, guys. That's crazy. And if you're going to do that, you better be super gracious. You better not ever say something smart. You better not ever talk about why the dishes. What? So, yeah, I'm just, uh, we, want her, we want her to be an awesome wife and mom, and then we do all that stuff to her. Practical demonstration, guys. Let me give you some practical demonstrations. Because we need to know what the intent is, uh, was so that we can know. So the reason why I went through all that is I wanted, to, I wanted to first, here's what we usually do, and what I'm trying to train us, as, by God's grace, that you've made us your, leader, your leaders, is I want you to not just look pragmatic. I want you to always view everything you do theologically from the scriptures. And then understand now with great patience you can come pragma- pragmatically. Right? What we want to do is the first thing you say, you talk about this issue, we start giving up all the little, you know, what about this little issue? What about this issue? And I'm like, well, first, can we all agree theologically? We have to first agree what God wanted. And then we can agree on how it is. You see that? Because there's a fall. So God wanted it, and I propose egalitarians, my, my issue, one of my issues with egalitarians is, is they are saying that he made... I want to propose they're saying that there was never a distinction. Well, they, I'm actually, they would say in Ephesians, when Jesus comes and says, hey, there's no, there's no barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but we're all Christ one and in all. We're all one in, in Jesus because of the cross. 
they would say that that is a, that's their like their main verse of saying this is why we are all now equal. There's no Scythian, slave, free, woman, child, man. We're all one in Christ. But I'm proposing that that is a redemptive verse, which God is saying because of the cross, we're all one. I'm proposing that role distinction didn't happen after the fall. It happened before the fall. So he didn't have to put a redemptive element to something that he created before the fall. Does that make sense to you? He, he told us we had roles before we went and sinned. Okay? And so what God, if he's going to redeem something, he redeems the, 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 the burdens and stuff. But he says, he doesn't go, well, you know what? That was, that was a bad idea, that whole role distinction thing. Like, let's just take that out too. No, because that was perfect in Christ before the fall. Now, what, what, what do you do with a single mom in a community? Okay? What do you do with a single mom? You're like, well, dude, but just think, our, you know, our community is almost reaching a point of one out of two moms are single in our community, our neighbors. My mom was a single mom. My dad left. We left my dad when I was 12 because he tried to kill my mom. Crack addict right now in 30-something years, okay? I get it. What about her? You know what? That's what makes me sad. Two things. First, I want to say because of the fall, we men haven't stepped up, right? And then we find ourselves insecure getting addicted to drugs, not taking care of our families, running. I talked about last week, we as men, we love kids, but hate being, hate being daddies, right? So that's the fall. The sad reality is my mom and many of you strong moms in here have had to carry two burdens, and it shouldn't have been the case, okay? I was going to make that clear. That shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't have to. Because we as men should be right in there, standing in a gap, making sure that together we express the glory of God. So what do you do? That's the reality. That's where we're at. That's the descriptive reality. You have women carrying two burdens. I'm going to propose a couple things. First, we're not, we're not to wait for the government to help. But we as a local body, and this is what we're trying to do, and you do it in your ebb and flow, and we do it, with, we just, we're trying, we're trying to learn that we make sure that we come alongside and provide assistance to those moms' burdens. Does that make sense? Okay? So that's why it ups the ante. It raises the stakes. When you're in a community of fatherless, you be a daddy. All right? Not in a paternalistic, entitlement, weird, non-dignified way. That's not us. Right, we learn how to make sure we come alongside that mom, make sure that mom knows that she's awesome, making sure she knows she's, she, it's not her fault that the dude was a jerk, you know, and you guys are going, well, sometimes the guy, it's the girl's fault. Yep. But here's the thing. Jesus, God hates divorce. First of all, if the dude didn't ever marry her, I'm putting that on the dude, all right, because he's a leader. That's what God did. God didn't go, oh, I don't, you know, Jay said, Adam, she lied first. You lied first, Eve? Man, why you lie first, Eve? God didn't do that. Adam said, she lied first. He said, I'm on, it's about you. You the leader. What you do, Adam, why she even talking to Satan? You supposed to be fighting for her. She shouldn't have one word to Satan. Satan come to your boo. Somebody come to your girl talking right now, my wife. You think she going to have to say something to that dude? I put step aside, baby. I got this. Are you kidding me? That's my girl. So, so the thing is, we need to step up 
as a church. I'm going to propose that's God's response, is that we provide the redemptive element in that broken element. All right? Um, I put farmers back in the day. You know what I'm saying? I want to propose theologically, and this is where I feel like you can't get caught up, and that's why as a complementarian, I'm not all up in... Um, If you know, the way we stand is that even in this church, if a lady wants to come, like I'm saying, as I'm leading, is the point is that we would recognize and celebrate male leadership and understands our role so that we can exalt Christ as a retelling of the Trinity, okay? So when I think of farmers working together, I'm proposing that a woman, here's, here's my thesis, that a woman can, should be able to or can work we're going to see this in a minute in Proverbs 31, outside the home or at a farm or work with the husband when there's an understanding that the home is the first priority and she has not shrunk those duties in any level. She's celebrating the home, she's celebrating and nurturing the kids, and she's adding value to the husband so that he might be pointing the family to Christ and providing well for the family. When all that's taken care of, then the woman can go, and they, as they are blessed together saying, I want to free you to do this, then she's free to go and do whatever. At the same time, if you're working together and you as a family have decided that this is best for the kingdom advancement of this family, kingdom advancement for the family, I'm saying then also it seems that the Bible is given silence to whether a woman can provide work. But that kingdom advancement never is at the expense of the family. Um, a dad becomes inoperable. Your dad gets crazy and something happens to the dad. The dad dies. What do you do? Right? You're a widow. The Bible speaks to that. You take care. The church, you don't see in, in the New Testament Acts when he's talking about widows, no, no hint of y'all need to go find work. There's no hint of that. You know what he says? Church, take care of the widows. That's what he says. So my point is that there are exceptions and it gets messy. The question is, is a home the first priority? Okay? So let's do a case study. All right. That was just the introduction. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So um, we're going to look at, let's look at what bad women look like. All right? And I'm just, I know another word to use. All right, guys? Proverbs can back me up, so don't think I'm being mean. Proverbs will say that there are women who are just bad to the bone. All right? Not me. That's what the Bible says. So, let's look at a few. Again, I want to encourage you guys is that we have documents, we have, which I think is a really cool document. It's my favorite one that we've created thus far in this church, the Proverbs document, which has all of the scripture references to all of the different um, themes in Proverbs and also um, a snapshot of how to go through each chapter, um, exercise in Bible study methods, operate, um, I'm sorry, observation, interpretation, application. I will highly recommend you get that study take it to the house and just use it. I think it's great for gospel clearing, for, for sharing your faith. I mean, you just see, like, even your own sanctification, get that. If we don't have more, come back next week and grab some. I'll make sure we have a ton, but we want to make sure you're getting that, 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 um, that tool. I say that because, obviously, I can't go through all the verses. There's so many verses um, in Proverbs alone that discusses the framework of a woman, okay? So we're going to do two things. We're going to look at a few about 
the, uh, um, a suspect woman, a bad woman. And then we're going to look at what God shows us with a, a, a woman of God. All right? Proverbs 11.22 says, Like a, a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. All right? Isn't that crazy? You got a picture in that. What does that mean? Right? Uh, this is talking about a woman who's uh, basically, who has no discretion, an embarrassing woman. Right? A, a woman with no filter. Have you, you guys know you've seen, you've seen this woman or you are that woman. That's okay. But um, with no, you, just, you just blur out whatever, right? You just, you just don't care. You just, you're not, there's no discerning. Uh, that's the concept there. Uh, he's saying that woman could be a lot of trouble, uh, especially in a marriage. Uh, and so here's the thing. We all have some of this on good and bad days. So we're going to talk about the gospel and how when we hear the descriptive realities of us as people, we always try, I try and make clear in this church, don't, don't get burdened, but get excited about the gospel. Now, the gospel isn't, now here's the thing, the gospel isn't an excuse for you to wild out. All right, it's not like, praise the Lord for the cross that I can still be like discernment, right? That's not what the gospel does, right? The gospel isn't saying, praise the Lord, I can still be an undiscreet woman, but what the gospel does, it allows us to trust Christ for sanctification, making us more like himself, and not us trying to have a moral compass and be better. Okay? That's what, we're trying to, that's what we're trying to do in this local body. We're trying to trust Christ for something that we can't do in ourselves. Proverbs 9, 13 through 18. The woman, folly is loud. Right? She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat at the high, on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Uh, whoever is simple, let him tune uh, in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, see that? This woman's loud. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I've seen this a lot of times where, like, the loudest girl gets the, gets the ear of people more. Not the smartest or wisest, but the one who talks the most. That's unwise, Right? The loudest girl shouldn't just automatically get the floor, okay? That's what this is. You guys have seen that too. And you'd be like, dang, why don't you stop talking, right? Right? So we, and he says, and, and, but here's the thing. Those silly, weak brothers, you know, who, you know, who just, they, they just need, they just want some companionship, like they run and she knows it. They say, so that weak brother, come on to my house, you know? It's like, come on, like just putting little Reese's pieces on the floor like E.T., you know, like, come on, come on, right? And leads them. Into despair, right? Right? Whoever is simple, right? Let him turn here. Come here, Mr. Simple Man. It's a concept. Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he who does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of shoals. See that? It says, this guy though, if you're missing it, I don't say girls and guys, if, if, if this girl is like leaving you, says you don't know that there is, she has a graveyard, Right? This is, not the, this is not her first rodeo. She's done this before. Be discerning. The, the, the loud girl, the, undiscre- the, the undiscreet woman. Proverbs 19.13, a foolish son is ruined to his father, and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. Let me just read 21.19 through 20. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. <laughs> you see that? Proverbs talks about this in many different places. You ever, you ever see this lady? There's always drama. Always drama. All right? Every t- you know, this guy, you know, comes in. Um, I think Proverbs 25, uh, 24, I'm going to get to later. It says, it is better to live in a corner of the housetop 
than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Do you think that maybe Jesus has an opinion about quarrelsome wives? Right? Do you, that should alarm you, ladies. If this is your disposition, because it could be your disposition. That doesn't mean you need to act in it because we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit could fill us and not allow us to be our natural self. Okay? I'm naturally a blame shifter. Okay? Left, left into my natural realm, something happens, I'm shifting. You did it. Why you do it? Why you do it? All right? That's okay. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not down on myself. I mean, I'm not going to let you guys typecast me because I got Jesus. See, as I walk with the Lord, I don't have to be a blame shifter. See? So I'm trying, I'm trying to hopefully model to you. It's okay knowing who you are in the natural realm because of sin and because of years of people telling you stuff and maybe wrong teaching and parenting, maybe wrong people in your life, men and women. Who knows what it is? But we all come and we're plopped out and we're 22 and we're like, how do I become this person? Right? Right? You're 32 and you're like, man, I do all these. It's because of, of life. That's okay. So then what God does is then the God, you, you find Jesus, you start walking with the Lord. He starts revealing this stuff in your life. And then the people of God start telling you. That's how he starts revealing that stuff. And then now you can go, oh, I'm horrible. Or you can go, you're right. And I'm so glad I have the gospel. And so now I get to look at those things clearly and say, Lord, do a redemptive work in my life. Okay. I just want to say that for you because I think this is a natural bent for a lot of women. Okay. A lot of insecure women are very quarrelsome. Because they want, they, they, they want a happy life. They want men to secure them. They want to be safe. And they don't know how to handle it. So what you do is you just argue and trip. That's your natural response. So you go, I want my way. I want my way. Right? And so what the Lord wants to do, he's just saying, well, there's a gospel way to do that. There's a way that really honors the Lord. So, because I'm telling you, this guy, if you're doing that, he's going to jump out a window one day. You see what the Bible's saying? It's saying that guy is like the guy. You see the commercial where, where um, the guy is a ref, and um, I think it's baseball, yeah, and the empire is in his face. And the empire's like, I'm sorry, he's the empire, and um, the, 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 uh, the manager is in his face. He's screaming at him, I can't believe you did that. That was all right. And he's like, all you hear is like, la, 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 and he's in his face. And they're like, and, and the commentator's like, man, where did he learn to take that abuse? And then it, it, it flips to his wife doing the same thing to him. <laughs> It's a, I think it's a genius commercial. It's like, man, where did that guy learn how to take that abuse? You know, and it shows the lady like, at home, dude. I got a wife sitting there like, you ain't doing nothing, man. She brings it, you know? So, but I don't propose, <laughs> sorry, I don't propose to you. You don't want to be that guy, okay? Um, I mean, I'm sorry, that girl. So, it says uh, in scriptures here, um, it is better to live in a desert land than a chorus of 21, 19 to 20. It is better to live in a desert land than with a chorus of a fretful woman. Uh, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Um, 25, 24. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a chorus and wife. I want to propose that uh, the way a woman can, like, stop being quarrelsome uh, is by understanding, well, when you have a gospel-centered man who's going to provide an environment of safety, who helps you see, and, it, and me, and my, me and my wife, I'm not saying she was quarrelsome. Now, here we are. But we struggled with this in the beginning because I didn't provide safety for her, and so then it made her feel insecure in the relationship, okay? And so in the beginning, we're, you know, we're at seminary. It's my people. I know these people. They're my friends. And then I'm sitting around. She's wondering, are you going to celebrate me? Are you going to... Make sure that I see that I'm number one in your life. 
See, I'm just saying how, how some of these things happen. Okay, if you're not doing that, what's going to happen, she's going to get insecure, and out of insecurity, she's going to fight for security. So we have a big role here, guys. And so when she starts fighting for security, we can't become more insecure and think they should just be secure. We need to have to ask the question, why are you so insecure? And, and really look into ourselves. Make sense, guys? Okay. Um, Proverbs 23, 26 through 28. Sexual promi- prom- uh, promiscuous thinking. Uh, I'm sorry, 23 verses 26 to 28. I don't have here. But it's talking about the sense of prostitutes. And so, um, and I, I don't have to, you have it up here? Cool. Uh, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. For a prostitute is a deep pit and adulteress is a narrow well. She lies in wait like a robber and increases the traitors among mankind. Um, we don't have to labor on this because our body, I hope we don't struggle um, in this area as much. But I want to I want to encourage our men, all right, as we're doing life, he who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. It's not when we think of prostitutes, obviously we're thinking about women who sell their body for money. The concept of 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 a proverb is talking about just loose women. Okay? It's women where you're at work and they're kind of like trying to get you to be thinking about doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing in the sense of fidelity. See, Proverbs isn't just talking about a monetary exchange for pleasure. It's really talking about people who are giving of themselves in a way, of themselves and bodies in a way that is ungodly. All right, so those are some key aspects to being a, um, a bad woman. So if you're there, uh, again, I want to propose to you that the gospel allows us to free ourselves from those natural dispositions or those things that have come because of life, right? If you were molested or something like that and you, and you have no worth in your body and you just feel like your, your body's nothing and you, you kind of just mutilate yourself by placing yourself with men who don't care for you because of some journey that's happened in the past, God wants to redeem that. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to see yourself as not, not valuable, not, not desired, not wanted uh, because you have a journey in that way, all right? And the Lord says, when you become a new creation, Corinthians 5.17 says, all things, you become new. He says, all things, old things pass away, new things have come. And so any area in your life, when you think of yourself as a lady, the world tells you you need to fight. You need to be equal. You need to be this, this maverick rogue woman because the world is a dog-eat-dog world. You got to get yours, right? And then you couple that with men and what we've done, and then you get what we have today in the world. I'm going to propose, still see the world for what it is, because there's still a lot of single, strong women in our body right now who have to fight and care two burdens because of our lack of, of security and lack of leadership. But don't allow that reality to shape how you think about Jesus and what he wants it to be about. Because now what God is saying is as you're working, as you have your own business, God is saying, find that guy and the Lord allow, or let the Lord, praise the Lord, allow that guy to come into your life if the Lord desires that who's going to be a Bible-centered guy, who's going to celebrate you and, and point you into these ways and say, you don't need to carry that burden anymore, sweetheart. I love you. I'll fight for you. Do you see why this matters? Okay, let's talk about Proverbs 31. Y'all know, you always hear about the Proverbs 31 woman, right? Proverbs 31 woman. Okay, so let's talk about Proverbs 31 woman now. All right, we're going to start in verse 10. That's where the concept starts. The whole framework is <clears throat> the lady is encouraging her son Stars with verse 10, guys. I'm going to fly through this, okay? Um, says, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. 
Um, I just want to ask a question. What does that tell you about how a husband should view his wife? See, you know, it's funny. We, we have people in our body, young girls, and, and guys aren't treating them the way they should be treated, you know? And, and they're actually, like, considering, like, that, that, like, okay, maybe it should be like this kind of, you know? And I'm going, no. You hear, you hear what this dude saying? She is far more precious than jewels, than treasure. If a guy is not, if you're dating someone, you like somebody, if they are not, you hear me, ladies, if you're not married right now, if they're not treating you like a treasure, they're not caring for you, modeling that sacrificial lifestyle, you don't take him to jewel training. You don't try to get that, make him that way, okay? No, you say, I need, I'm, I'm worth, I'm a jewel, I'm a diamond, and I'm not going to settle for a buster, okay? Okay? And here's what we'll do. We'll pray together. I'm praying that God raises up. That's my big prayer, right? Older people in our local body, indigenous people, that my neighbors will come and, and we'll have all kind of folks, black folks and white folks. We'll just be in here and we'll be worshiping Jesus. I'm praying for single people, godly men who will step up and be the men that they're called to be so they can tell a new story to these ladies who've experienced such jerks. You're like, man, why is he so hard on the men? Because the Bible tells me to be hard on the men because we are the leaders and we are causing all this drama. That's why I'm hard on the men. You don't think I know these ladies are jacked up and crazy too? I know y'all crazy. Don't get it twisted, but I'm saying we have a mandate. We have, we're the leaders. And we t- it's time for us to step up. So he said, uh, I don't say he sees competence, he sees kindness, he sees courage and ability in this lady. Verse 11, the heart of her, he said, the heart of her husband trusts in her um, and he will have no lack of gain. He totally trusts this girl. This lady is totally trustworthy, right? He trusts her with anything, right? I, I, I'm telling you guys, I know I want to speak of other people, but my, my testimony is my wife. I just, I'm blown away. I was reading Proverbs. I felt like I didn't have to massage verses for her to fit. I didn't have to work on them. I saw that verse. I thought, that's my boo. I can trust my wife with anything. I'm not worried at all. It's like, Lord, you've been so gracious, I love this verse 12. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. You know, sometimes I'm sitting in counseling with people and I'm listening to the lady and I'm like, I don't think you even get it. Like your, your posture right now, it's like you want to harm him. It's like, you, it's, like, it's like a setup. It's like, don't you get that? Like that's, that's, that's the antithesis of this verse. Are we, in, are we sinful? Yeah. Are we going to argue? Yeah. But at the core, ladies, when you're with your husband, you need to be able to say, I want his good. I want him to succeed. I want him to fly. Your disposition shouldn't be about getting yours. You only can do that when you trust each other, right? You want to get yours when you don't really trust he's going to help you get yours. When you don't trust that he's waking up dying for you. See, that's why you got to get that guy. Because as soon as you start wondering, man, is he going to buy me a car? Is he going to do this for me? That's weird. By God's grace, I'm pretty sure, I don't know, I think my wife just left, she's not going around, man, man, he's the only one going to have a computer. Scared, wondering, are you going to get something out of life? No. She's like, I can rest. My man got my back, and I want his good. That's my focus. It ain't even about me trying to buy my blouse. He'll buy me a blouse. 
Um, verse 13, she seeks wool and flax. Now check this out. She seeks wool and flax and works with, her, works with willing hands. Um, so she's working. So you see, this is a, re- a resource for a woman, okay? Um, now, I don't think the point here is that, um, is that she's brilliant or that she has this big business mind. I think the point here is that she's resourceful. And she sees what's around her, and she's thinking about how do I take this uh, for the betterment of my family? Willing hands. That's the whole point. Willing hands, she's not lazy. You see that, ladies? Now, see, we've got to be careful because a lot of ladies can be really lazy, Right? You want, the, you want the dad, the husband to provide, provide all this stuff, but then you don't want to really step up and do what you're called to do. Um, this lady, laziness is not an option. Uh, and I think also in that culture, you just didn't have time to be lazy, right? Uh, there's no easy way around it. Verse 14, she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. This is a lady who's searching for good food. This is the sense of, and I noticed this. She's buying this stuff, okay? Where do you think she got the money? Now, we're going to see in verse 24, or I figure what verse it is, she's going to have a little job at the boutique or something. You know, she's like doing some, she's like sewing some clothes. But you know where she's getting the money from? Her man. This lady got mad cheese. As we go through the text, she got a lot of money, all right? And trust me, she either is a superwoman or because she's taking care of the kids like crazy, she's doing all this stuff in the community. I'm proposing because she's taken care of, she can be redemptive in other ways. The assumption. We're going to see in a moment. She's going to bring up the hubby too. Uh, so she's, she's looking for food. Uh, it's a sense of like, you know, like figuring out like what she, what she wants to bring into her household uh, for the family. She's intentional about her, her, her food choices. Uh, what matters more um, is what's best for her family than her comfort. Verse 15, she rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. It gets misinterpreted, thinking that she provides food. It's talking about actually the monetary component to get the food. That's absolutely not true when you look at the text here. This is she provides food. She actually makes the food that she was able to purchase. Okay? Um, she stays up late. The sense of she, she's, she's a hard worker. Again, she's, she's staying up late trying to figure this thing out. Uh, she's taking care of her household. You see, for her household portions, and you're thinking, well, of course she can do all this. She got maids. Well, I get it. She, got, she has maids, right? But she's taking care of her maids. Okay? And we think of maids, and we think today, it wasn't the same way back then. And by the way, guess what you got? You got, like, dishwasher. You know what I'm saying? Electricity. You know what I'm saying? Refrigerator. So it all balances out in the end. Um, Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it, okay? She got dough, all right? With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. So she got this field, she plants a vineyard. She's doing her work. She's working hard, okay? Uh, Where the money comes, I'm telling you, her husband. We're going to see that in verse 24. Um, I just want to propose here again, what we're seeing is that she's taking these resources and she's continually multiplying them for the good of the family. This is a hardworking girl. Verse 18, 17 and 18, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong, right? She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. So she starts making some things. She starts seeing that it's profitable. profitable. She starts selling it. We got some people like that. We got, we got a Betty who does that here and there, makes a little thing. I want to propose, this is where my framework of like looking at the text and saying, we see a woman who's working here, but this is not where she gets her money. Right, she's working, she's getting a little money here, but this is not where she's getting all the money to do all the things that she's doing with the kids. Because this, this thing is, 
Obviously, you can see that she's not idle. I propose there's even a point in this text here. The lady stays up all night. That's not recommended, but that's what she does uh, to get things done. Verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Again, showing her work ethic. She's making uh, uh, these clothings uh, and, same, and she's also serving, serving the youth, which we'll see in a moment. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. So here she is in a community caring for those in need, caring for the fathers. You know, I feel like a lot of our moms model this. We got kids, um, neighbors come to our house. You know, I, I had a, we had people in our community who was like that. They weren't even redemptive. They weren't even like walking with Jesus, but they were kind of moms where it was like, you wanted to go to that house because you knew these other houses was unsafe, but that house was. See, I want our houses to be that, one of those houses, right? Where people come to our house and they get cared for and, and, we, and we talk well about their moms and their dads. We don't dog them and try to make ourselves look better. We try to come alongside the moms and dads, um, but we also care for the kids. Does it make sense? Verse um, 21, she's not afraid of snow for her household, uh, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple, showing you that not only does she have the resources that she makes, so she... So basically, she makes these things, but she has good resources. Again, where do those resources come from? Her kids aren't worried about boots and, 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 and gloves and stuff. She's thought through that stuff. Where does she get the resources for all that? Her husband is known, well, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So either he's, he's a buster sitting around. She's running around like Superwoman. You know, she's Bill Gates, got all this dough, but also she's got a vineyard. She's doing all this stuff. Or... I propose interpretation of that passage, when you look historically, that means he is extremely well known, almost like it's almost comparable to being like a councilman in Detroit, okay? He is very known in the city gates. Everybody knows this man. Why? Because he's respectable, because he's merchant. He has, he has resources. He knows the people. He's respected. That's why she puts it. That's why he's in here. What's my point there? Is that you see, you got this awesome lady and she didn't settle for a punk, you see that? I heard pastors say, I'm, I'm blown away. Guys want this girl, right? Well, we got to put better bait on our hook, okay? You sitting around wondering, should you work? If you're going to work, you don't, you know, she got to give you the paternity test to prove that you're the daddy. Like, that's the wrong brother. You don't see, you don't see a discussion here. You see, she is awesome. And I'm proposing she's awesome because her husband's awesome. They're worshiping the Lord, and he's providing. Um, verse 24, 25. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Uh, strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. The whole concept there is that because there's, she's thought through things and she's so wise, she's not worried about the future. Okay, she laughs at the time to come. Come with me. I've done my due diligence on what I need to be about. So whatever the Lord brings, it's cool. You, have you ever had that happen? You've had that happen to you before, right? There's a difference when you, when you worry about the future because you know you didn't do something or you anticipate the future because of what you did. There's a difference, right? You, can, right? you study all night. You, you, you cram. You worry. Oh, is it going to be the right question they're going to ask? I hope, right? You worry. You might ace it, you might not. You study throughout the semester. You're faithful. You've done your reading. You get to that point. You can still fail the test. But you don't have the anxiety because you've done the due diligence. That's her. 
She opens her mouth with wisdom. She knows the scriptures, guys. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. See that? Again, when I heard those verses, I started my boo. I thought of Sarah. I was like, man, that's my, that's my girl. She's just wise. I love talk. I got a girl, man. I love, she likes to talk about the Bible. She wants to learn about the things of God. You know what I'm saying? It's not like pulling teeth. She wants to learn about, more about Jesus. She wants to walk with the Lord. She's funny. She wants to have fun, too. She likes to kick it. She wants to hit somebody hard with a volleyball. So, you know, boom, all in their face. She likes that stuff. She's well-rounded. It's awesome. Look at this. Look at this. Um, verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. You see that? See what the, you see what the priority continues to be? So like, notice, talking about these little jobs here, little jobs there. But look at the framework. Go back to these texts here. See what the, 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 part, the issue is? The house is tight. My house is together. My kids ain't going with mommy. I'm not, I'm not parsing them off because I need some extra dough, so now I take them to the child care just because of something else, not because of dietary. I, like, I got to eat. It's a, if, if I'm going to live, we got to get this bread. I got to cook. That's not the issue. Her house is okay. Her husband isn't going. Does she really love me? There's none of that, right? This is someone who said, my house is tight. So now me and my husband can talk about what, hey, what, 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 your, the world's your oyster, sweetheart. What you want to do? Do you see the difference? So... It says here, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. See, that's, that's not an absentee mom, y'all. That's not an absentee wife. And, and, and that's not a wife who's dead tired because we're making her do all this stuff. That's someone who wants to. This Bible is written in history, y'all. Many women, verse 29, many women have done excellently, but you've surpassed them all. Oh, you can't do this. That's just unattainable, Eric. Well, that's not what Proverbs say. Proverbs say many women have done this. There's many women cool like this, but you're, you're like unbelievable. It's almost like that's what I say in this church, right? And that's what many of us say, which is cool. We have all these husbands in this church who talk like me about their wife. Somebody lying? No, we could all be telling the truth, right? There's many women who model Jesus like this. Just for me, my wife surpassed them all, right? And maybe for Nate, his wife surpasses them all, and that's awesome. That's how it should be. But I tell you, I look at my boo and I say, she surpasses them all. I'm not looking and coveting any girl in this body because I think my wife's the bomb, and that's what I see here. Verse 30, charm is deceitful. Now notice, goes through all this, and he says, charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Because see, you know, brothers, we start reading this, and we're like, man, if she's doing all that, got dough, she's smart, she's working all night, the kids like her, the husband, she must be off the chain. She must be like, boom! You know, we, thinking, we start thinking beautiful. He says, hold up, hold up. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. It's not just about the charm and the beauty. Because guess what? All of us are going to grow old, all right? And we're not going to bring it like we used to. You know what I mean? He says, that stuff is vain. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be good. That stuff is vain. It is fleeting. 
And me and Sarah, we, we, we laugh sometimes. I talk about how I'm going to chase her, you know, and come on, girl, you know, and I'm, and, you know, and I'm be out of my mind, like I'm going to forget her name, you know, but, you know, it's like, you know. Right? He says, it's not about that. You know what it's, what it's about? It's, he says, what I'm talking about here, bro, is a woman who fears the Lord. Don't you miss that? Don't miss that, young man. You, don't miss that because you get caught up. You're like, okay, I want all that, but she got to be, wow, you know. Again, the, the, the world has lied to us. The magazines have lied to you, ladies. And you think you got to be the certain image. The Bible is trying to tell you the truth. This stuff really doesn't matter in the end. What matters is that when we're 30 years from now, 40 years from now, that man, the world tells you, oh, poor Sarah, five kids, didn't get to, you know, go out and show the world what she's made of. You know, you didn't, uh, you, are you, you should have your head down. Sarah's going, really? In 40 years? Let me see. I got a husband who's always faithful to me. I got five kids by God's grace who are walking with Jesus and loving their wives and grandkids that love God. We're just enjoying each other. We're reading the Bible. We're proclaiming the gospel. And we're in community together. And we're seeing people come to Christ in our community. And our house is a house where the gospel is clear. And we're, 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 we're a father to the fathers, and we're a mother to the motherless. Wow. Is my head down? Absolutely not. There's no divorces. There's no alimony checks. There's no visitations on the weekend. There's no you know, three or four marriages. There's no disgruntled lifestyles. There's none of that. There's no chasing after things that are fleeting. Huh. Man, you're the one who should be pitied. You should be pitied as you chase a boat that rusts, as you chase the girl that doesn't exist, a porn star, and then she doesn't exist, and you keep going after another and another girl, and you never get satisfied. As your kids don't see you, because you think they really want a lot of money, but they just want daddy. And now they're older, and then some of, one of them's walking with Jesus, but two of them aren't. And two of them don't even want to talk to you anymore because they saw you worshiping mammon, and they didn't see you worshiping God. And now you want to tell them to follow Christ, but they say, why follow Christ? You never taught me that. But you're rich. You got a lot of vacation homes. He says, you are to be pitied. The woman says, oh, but I got all this stuff and look at my, my Gucci bags and I can go anywhere and look at my beautiful hair and I have manicures and I have appointments like that. Or your kid, well, you know, one of my kids died of, of OD of drugs and the other kids aren't around too much. They don't really like to talk to me as much now because they said I kept them with the nanny too long. Well, I know it's my third husband, but we really like each other now, but he's kind of getting on my nerves. And there's this one guy that I really, that I get, I get to see at the, he's a barista at Starbucks and we've been talking lately. Who knows what, who knows what'll happen? Because I'm trying to figure out how to do life. See, the world says, be that woman. The world says, be the woman who says, my head's down when it comes to faithfulness and saying, here's my role. I'm a mom. I'm a homemaker. And my husband got my back. But you don't need no man. You need to be pitied. You need to go out and get yours, make a lot of money, and show everybody that you're just as smart as anyone else. And you don't need nobody. And at the end of your life, I want to propose, I think you might be pitied. My call is not for you to be traditional, but to be biblical. 
And I want to ask you this, guys. I want, I want, to, give you a, I want to give you an assignment. I want to ask you to, and I heard a pastor say this once. I thought it was a good idea. If you get free time, turn off the TV. Don't read any smutty magazines. Don't read any crazy sex novels or anything the world is throwing at you, okay? I want you just to read your Bible. I want you just to read Ruth. You know, this particular pastor said, read Ruth, Esther, and Proverbs. Just read them over and over again for two weeks. Over and over again. All right? I thought it was a good idea from this pastor. And then when you, when you're done, and you turn all that stuff on, tell me you don't see a drastic difference of what the Bible says and what the world screams at you. Tell me you don't see that the world tells you that the lack of discipline, the pursuit of wealth, all this stuff is what the world tells you to be about as a woman. And I want to ask you, guys, disagree because the scriptures tell you to, okay? Not because the world told you to. I pray you know I love my wife and I love, I love our women and I love God's women. And that's why we, we teach complementarianism. That is, you and I were created together so that together we would model the Trinity. And if we would do our roles and not cover each other's role and handle the messiness, because it is messy, as we hopefully I've tried to explain, it's not just this way or this way, it's messy. But we'd be messy with a theological grid I think we'll be all right. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Pray you will give us a response of worship, a response of adoration, a response of celebrating how you've made us. I am very thankful for your grace. I love you. We love you, Lord. We pray that the expression would be a clear expression of womanhood in our community that celebrates women, that cherishes women, that loves them, that, that lifts them up, Uh, that takes all the burdens off them that are unrightfully placed on them. Um, And Lord, I pray that you would give the women grace to, to love how you've made them and who you've made them to be and that we wouldn't covet, but we'd worship. In Jesus' name, amen.